You showed up quicker than I thought you were. You caught me drinking water. I'm so glad to see you. I want to welcome those who are here today and worshiping with us online as well. And I want to start off by asking you a question. Have you ever made an emotional decision? Anybody want to testify? Yeah. Emotional decisions get us in trouble, don't they? See, you gotta have you gotta have some logic in there, but you gotta have spiritual discernment. You gotta be listening to the Holy Spirit and listening to what God's calling you to do. I have made some boneheaded decisions. If we had time, we could just go through the list. And boy, you would be laughing at me because I've done some dumb things. Not only did I make bad decisions. When I was young, I would, I would be impulsive and I made emotional decisions and you could name it, you, you know, you know, in all the areas you would do that. And boy, I, I paid for it, you know? So hopefully, hopefully we learn from our past. And today, this message now, I'm, I'm going to warn you, this message is the message that you don't want to hear but that we need to hear. I don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it, but we need to hear it because, you know, you know how sometimes folks who love you speak the truth in love and it's because they have your best interest at heart. I hope you'll take that this way today because it's, it's a message that is challenging. Look at the person next to you and say, you're going to be challenged today. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Yeah, because we are. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to ask you in advance, hang in there with me, all right? Please hang in there with me because it's kind of, you might cringe a little bit. Every now and then you might say, you know, there's some people here who need to hear this. <laughs> Not me, but some of these other people in here. They're the ones who need to hear this. But, but I hope that it's something you might benefit, you might, and you might want to, on occasion, you might want to get that, however you take notes, there's some things that I'm going to say that you might want to put down so that you'll have. You can put it on your phone, you can write it down, wherever you want to do that. I'm not talking about the whole thing, but I'm just saying some parts of it, there's some things I'm going to mention that might be beneficial, okay? And I'm going to start out with a really heavy thing. I, I don't normally do this, but I, but I just want you to, I want to get your attention and I want you to hear. My professor in seminary said something that really surprised me one day. And I've remembered it all these years and it stuck with me. And I guess I kind of knew it, but I never had been able to verbalize it or really express it in this way. But the more I've thought about it, the more it makes sense. And, and it's, it's a warning. It, it's a blessing to know about it because it is a benefit to all of us, okay? And here's what he said. The sacred and the sensual are closer than you think. And you're thinking, well, how can that be? Because, you know, there, there's the things of God and there's the things of the enemy. There's the things that are good, the things that are bad. How can they be close? But here's what he was saying. He's saying the reason for that is because they both involve our emotions. See, our emotions can lead us into good things, but our emotions can lead us into bad things, right? And so it, it's difficult sometimes, is this a good thing or a bad thing? How do I discern what I should do? Because it might not look like a bad thing on the surface, but the more we go in that direction, the more we see it's the wrong direction for us to go in. Now, the worst decisions that we've made have been fueled by strong emotional appeal. When you, you ever see a car that you want? 
strong emotional appeal. A house that you want. You know, maybe maybe it's a guy or a girl, and you go, hmm, things that make you say, hmm, I, I might want to get to know them, you know. And there's this strong emotional appeal. As, as time goes on, you get to know them a little bit, and you're looking at that. And it can happen with a purchase. It can happen with a lease. Our daughter got in a lease in college, and she spent the rest of the year trying to get out of that lease because she had a roommate, and that roommate was from another place. I'm not going to say where, but, but you can kind of fill in the blanks, okay? And she did, it did not go well, but, you know, she signed a lease. And so she's stuck. She's got to be there living in that place for a year. And, boy, she looked carefully next time before she signed a lease. A relationship, you know, it looks appealing. And it might be appealing, and it might be fine. But it might not be all that it appears to be. Whatever it is, there was strong emotional appeal. So you bought it, or you ate it, or you leased it, or you moved there, or you dated it, or whatever you did, because it started out with strong emotional appeal. And then what happened was then an amazing thing takes place. And you've all experienced this. I could get you up. You could tell me stories about it. This interesting, strange thing happened. At some point, it lost its appeal. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you couldn't wait to get with that person and, and, and make that decision and whatever. And so now that thing you wanted so badly, you can't wait to sell it. You can't wait to get out of that lease. You can't wait for him or her to leave. It looked appealing at the moment, and now it has lost its appeal. And something that looks appealing may turn into a prison if you're not careful when you make your decision. What looks like a pastime might become a pathway that's leading you in the wrong direction. What might appear to be appealing can turn into poison. And it can cause you to have all kinds of habits and addictions that you can't break. So I've got an idea. You want to do this with me? Let's just don't do that anymore. What do you say? Okay, let's just pray and leave. What, what do you think? That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Because the things that get our attention, the things that get us off track, the things that we regret, those are the things I want to talk about today in that strong emotional appeal. Because the paths that are to be avoided are usually paved with strong emotional appeal. Romance, desire, acceptance, attention, adventure, security, all those things are maybe one or more of those things, they lead us to things that are paved with that kind of approach. And so we don't want to go that way, right? And so to make it clear, what we're doing is we're making decisions and we're choosing pathways that are beneficial to us. See, shiny, appealing things look good, but they're not always good. And so here's what happens. We do two things when we give in to those things, okay? And here's what they are. First of all, we lower our defenses. We look at that and we say, oh, that looks good. It'll be fine. And we just kind of relax and we lower our defenses. So now we're vulnerable, right? The second thing that we do is we raise our defensiveness, Maybe somebody we know, somebody who's close to us, somebody who loves us, somebody who's watching us. They look at it and they say, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You're going in the wrong direction. And we're going, la, 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 la. We can't hear. 
We can't see. We're not listening. We're not paying attention. People who care about us, they're trying to help us, but we won't listen because we can't because there's something called confirmation bias that kicks in. Do you know what confirmation bias is? Here's how you can tell if you've got it. When everybody else is telling you you're going in the wrong direction and you can't hear them and you can't see them, and these are people who love you, then you have confirmation bias. You confirm everything that looks good to you to confirm that your appealing thing that you saw, that's what you wanted. I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to get that. No, no way I'm going to compromise. I'm going to get it. And anything that, that you might hear that's contrary to what you think you want, you just can't see and hear. That's confirmation bias. And here's what happens. When you have, here's another way you can tell. When you have confirmation bias, then your IQ drops. <laughs> it does. Have you ever seen anybody that's in love? Yeah, just look like a bobblehead all the time, right? And so, you know, they're not necessarily thinking clearly all the time. And so here's the deal. How many times have you said, I can prove it, your IQ drop? How many times have you said, you look back over a situation, a decision that you made, and you say, how in the world could I have been so foolish, right? And you're, you're talking to yourself now. And all of a sudden, you realize, my IQ dropped. What happened? I just went off the deep end. And your EQ drops. Your emotional quotient drops, too, because you've just checked out, because it's so appealing. That's the direction that you want to take. So. So then you have a conversation with somebody who cares about you and your defenses go up and you just won't pay attention to what they're saying. And so you'll, you'll use excuses. You'll say, well, they just don't know. There's a lack of information. They don't understand. They don't see it the way I see it. No, they don't. There's a reason that they don't see it that way because you're blind. And so, you know, we can get distracted. We can be going in the right direction. We've been talking about this in this series. We're going in the right direction and then all of a sudden ooh shiny you know our daughter Catherine who's got ADHD she says I have ADHD ooh shiny you know <laughs> it's easy to get distracted and they're not the only ones who get distracted there are things that, that look good but they don't turn out to be good so here's what I want you to try to determine is it just appealing or is it really satisfying because appealing, that's fine, but it could get old. Satisfying is when you're just so grateful that you made that decision. Hey, I went the right way. Thank God that he helped me to do that. I made the right choice. And the Apostle Paul talks about this in Scripture. Now, here's what happened. Paul was a person who persecuted Christians, and he was killing them, and he was terrible. He wanted to get rid of Christianity, and then he became one. And when he became a Christian, what happened was that he started being just as zealous about winning people to Christ as he was about killing people who were uh, following Christ. And so what he did was he started all these churches around the Mediterranean, and then he would go visit the churches, and he would preach there, and he would write letters to them. And you take a lot of those letters that he wrote, and they make up a lot of the New Testament today. And he wrote to the people in Galatia. We call that the book of Galatia. And here's what he said. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. 
Now, the flesh, the appetite that you have, what you see, hear, taste, touch, that elicits a desire inside of you, we all experience. And he says, don't feed that dynamic. When I first went in the ministry and I was working in Niceville, Florida, there was a guy who taught a young adult Sunday school class that I attended. And, and I got to be friends with him, and I'm still friends with him today. And I remember something he said in that class that really stuck with me. He said, all of us have two dogs inside of us, a good dog and a bad dog. Whichever one you feed is the one that's going to grow. Now, there's truth in that. I want you to think about that. The way you can remember that is when I was in Opelika, Alabama, I was with my associate minister, Earl Ballard. We were going out to this guy named Glenn's house to take him communion. He was a shut-in. And we got to his house, and Earl warned me. He said, he's got two dogs. He said, Rambo is one dog, and Rambo will just lick you to death. That's all he'll ever do. He's the sweetest dog. He said, but now the other dog. The other dog is Buddy, and Buddy will bite you if you turn your back on him. So what happened was Earl had been there before, and so he got out of the car, and, and Buddy started coming in. And Buddy, he doesn't growl or do anything like that. He's just looking, okay? He's, he's focused in, and so he's coming after Earl, and Earl is taking that communion, and he's watching that dog the whole time. He's, he's, he's just watching that dog. He's not going to get away where he, that dog is behind him. So then he kind of gets in. I should have jumped out when Earl was over there, and, and Buddy was paying attention to him. So I started to get out of the car and when I started Buddy had already laid down by now and and when I started to get out of the car Buddy stood up like that and he started looking at me and I shut the door and he laid back down <laughs> so I opened the door and I started to get out and he stood back up and so I said Earl tell Glenn I'm not coming in it's the first drive-by communion we ever had there in Opelika. I started that. I was the guy in charge of that. His granddaughter was in the house. He started laughing. He thought it was so funny. I'd met him at the hospital. He said, he said to his granddaughter, he said, go out there and get the preacher and bring him in. <laughs> she went out there, and she talked to me, and I talked to her, and I started to get out, and Buddy stood up, and I sat back down. I got back in the car. She came back in, and she said, Granddaddy, the preacher said, he's not coming. He said, if you want him to come in, you got to put Buddy in the garage next time. That's when he'll come. Another time we went out there, and both dogs were at his, his neighbor, who was his brother David's house. And I said, Earl, hit it, man. we got to get in there and get out. <laughs> and so he whipped in that driveway and pulled up there before those dogs could figure out what we were doing, and we jumped out. I didn't have to beat the dogs. I just had to beat Earl in. And so I did. I got inside there <laughs> before those dogs could get to us. Now, you'll remember that, won't you? A good dog and a bad dog. And whichever one you feed is the one that's going to grow. So what happens is what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we touch, there can be temptation out there. And if we give in to them, then we're not going to gain freedom. We're going to lose freedom. They may look good on the surface, but really they'll be just a prison. And not only does it hurt us, but it hurts other people. That's one of the ways we can tell that it's not a good thing, okay? And Paul goes on, and he says, rather serve one another humbly in love. Now, what he's talking about there is leveraging our freedom 
to put other people first, to be of benefit to them, to bless them. What did Jesus do? He put us first. And he said, I want you to be like me. I want you to bless other people. I want you to put them first. Well, he says, when you do that, you'll have a satisfied life. You'll be satisfied in life. It'll be a blessing. Doesn't it bless you to help other people? Sure it does. And then the other thing is that when you leverage your freedom to neglect other people, then what happens is you're very dissatisfied. And, and that's not a place that you want to live. So we want freedom and we want satisfaction in our lives. That's how we want to follow. And let's go on and look at Galatians. It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you know, you've heard it before, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's what I want you to catch. In the Old Testament, they came up with all these rules, and you had to follow them, and it was impossible. And, they, and the, the point was, these rules were supposed to help people follow God and do what God wanted them to do. But what they became was a barrier to pleasing God. Because if you if you got this long list of rules you're always trying to check off and, and keep, and then you mess up, and you go, well, I blew that. Okay, I might as well give up now, and you, I'll start again tomorrow and then you just all the time defeated and that's the way you live what good is it and Jesus said I'm just going to give you one command just one thing and this one command is simple love your neighbor as yourself that's what he said for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command love your neighbor as yourself and that's a new testament ethic that we can follow we can just say hey that's what i that's my marching orders that's what i want to live by i want to try to treat other people the way i want to be uh, treated and, and that's the best way to do it because how do you know when you sin well, you sin when what you do affects somebody else negatively, and it infringes on their freedom, and it sets them up for problems in their future, and it undermines them and their success, and it also has something to do with them struggling relationally in the future. That's not something you want to be a part of. So you just say, if it's going to hurt other folks, I'm not going to do it. And Jesus would take it to a whole nother level when he said this to us. He said, you're to love each other the way I first loved you. Well, boy, that's enough. Right? That's a homework assignment right there. Let's just take that one thing and try to do it the way he has done it. What a challenge that would be to us, right? And it goes on. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Well, let me just pause right there, man. What's he talking about? He's talking about listening to that still, small whisper from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God speaking to us. When, you know, emotionally you might be saying, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but and spiritually you're going, no, that's not the right thing. You know, I, I know that I want to do that, but that's not the right thing to do. Or, or vice versa. Emotionally, you might be saying no to God, but spiritually, you know, you know that you're supposed to say yes and be obedient to him. And then he says this, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we got a choice there. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit so that we feed the good dog inside of us, right? Because all of us, we all, we all eat. Look at the person next to you and says, I can tell by looking at you that you eat. Well, now, wait just a minute. Don't, don't be putting words in my mouth. Everybody in here eats. If you didn't eat, you'd be dead. So I can tell by looking at you that you eat because you're alive. 
sometimes y'all just go off on your own. You just go off and do your own thing. Well, that's what I want you to see is, you know, we all eat and there's a variety of things that we eat. And, and so what happens is as we eat those things, then they have an effect on us. Well, what happens is we have a spiritual diet as well. And we are bombarded daily by the world and the culture of today. And it's just all the time that what they like to do in the culture today is they like to tell, take something that God says is wrong. And they say, if we tell these people enough that it's right, they'll believe us. So we're just going to keep telling them, we're going to say what's wrong is really right. It's really right. It's really right. And let's just see how many of them we can suck in to believe in that. And that's what people have done. They bought into that today. And then the scripture goes on and it says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now, see, that, that's just so simple right there, but it's so challenging, isn't it? Because what it's saying is, hey, listen, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you can't be led by the flesh, too. And boy, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because why? Because we are human. Look at the person next to you and say, you are human. Go ahead and tell them that. And human people have emotions, don't they? And so it's a challenge to live by the Spirit. Pharaoh was talking about the young people when they took them to revive and how other people observed them and said, hey, these kids are living by the Spirit. They're not living just like the world lives. They're not like a lot of young people today might be, but they're people who are following God. What a blessing, because there's so much strong emotional appeal out there. And then it goes on, it says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what he's saying there is the Old Testament, I told you all those laws. How am I going to follow? Jesus said one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Just do, just do what I'm telling you. Just treat other people the way you want to be. Just one thing. Just do one thing. You know, and if we can just focus on the one thing, then we can do what he wants us to do. So that happens to us wherever we are as parents, as we relate to people in school and morality and dating, whatever it is, there's a path to follow and a path to avoid. And it's Jesus' one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because here's the point. You have to ask yourself this question. It's clarifying, okay? What does love require of me? Because if I ask that question, now I'm going to have to do whatever love requires of me. And it may not be what I want to do in my devotional this morning. I was reading about this woman, and she said, you know, I go into the nursing home, and I help with the service, and I, I help with communion. I do, I do a lot of different things for people, and I do that. And she said, when I started doing that, I just did it because they told me what to do, and I did it, and it was a duty. But then she said, and I would go, I get through, and I go to the car, and I check it off and say, okay, I did that. 
But then she said, I got to know the people in there. I got to know their names. I got to know their challenges. I got to know what's going on with them. And she said, it changed everything. It wasn't a duty anymore. It was something I enjoyed doing. And I wanted to bless those people because I got to know them. She said, one woman said a prayer request. And she said, it just surprised me because it was seemed like such a small thing to me. But then I, I, I got a perspective on where she is. This lady in the nursing home, she just prayed this prayer, Lord, thank you that I finally got to take a shower because she was so weak and so sick. She was unable to go do that, and she got better, and she got more strength. And I can tell you, after being a patient in the hospital for longer than I wanted to be there, okay? Because most of my hospital visitation was as a pastor going in and visiting, and I'm a much better pastor than I am a patient. And I can remember, you know, just to be able to go home and turn over on one side or the other and not have all this stuff in my arms and be able to sleep all night long. Wouldn't that just be, just to be able to take this tube out of my nose. If anybody ever comes at you with a tube, they want to stick up your nose. Come talk to me about that. I'll help you. <laughs> you know, all those things that, that were miserable, you know, Lord, I just, I'm just waiting I just, I'm, I, that I could just drink a little bit of water. I didn't have to chew ice chips, you know? I mean, that was, Lord, I'm just so grateful that they brought me something to eat. I finally get to eat something again. And you just regain your strength. What does love require of me? When you start looking at things through other people's eyes, then you start seeing the eyes that Jesus has for the world. What does selflessness require of me? What does lay down my life for a friend require of me? Because if it's something that's not going to be bad for him or for her, then I don't want to be a part of it. And then he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And if I were to ask you what the list was of the acts of the flesh, you'd come up with a list, and it would be identical to what the Apostle Paul came up with because we hadn't changed that much. We're still people, right? And so what we learn from that is that, that there are things that we need to look at and deal with and address. And, and sometimes we don't want to do it, but, but it's good for us. I'm going to give you three today, okay? The first one is sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. The second one is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. And the third is envy. Envy. Now, Paul talks about these things, and, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not trying to tell the world how to live. I'm just trying to tell the Christians how to live. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's talking to you and to me. And so let's look first. When it comes to sexual sexuality, nothing has more potential to undermine our future than that. If it's going to hurt other people, if it's going to complicate their lives, then it can be a real curse because God really loves you. He wants to tell you that. He won't, he's not going to stay silent on a topic that has that much impact in your life. You know, what, what could be amazing can become unbearable if we're just not done in the right way. 
And of course, we're going to talk about it. It's going to have strong emotional, sexual appeal. In the world we live in today, it's in your face all the time. You see it all the time. And people are just trying to continually say, we're going to take what's wrong and tell you it's right until you believe that. And so what seems to be appealing can be distracting. You know, I was going down the road. I was going in the right direction. I was doing what I was supposed to do. I was focused on my mission in life. And then I got distracted. And before I knew it, I was headed in a different direction. And it was not the direction that God had for me. Second thing is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition says, okay, I've decided to get ahead. I'm going to do something that's illegal. I just hope my boss doesn't find out. I just hope my wife or my husband, I just hope my parents or my kids, I don't want anybody to know, but I'm going to do it because I want to get ahead of other people. I've got this ambition, and I'm going to find a way to get, and it looks appealing. It looks, it'll be okay. Nobody will ever know. It'll be all right. But, you know, little decisions make a big difference. I remember when I, I took our older daughter, Elizabeth, one time on a field trip, and we were there, and, and she was like in the fifth grade, I think, maybe the sixth, and we went to this amusement park. And they had these go-karts that you could ride. When I was a kid, I just loved to ride go-karts. It was wonderful. And so I knew they wanted to ride. But the sign said that they had to be a certain age to ride the go-karts. Well, Elizabeth's birthday was at the end of the year, not the beginning. She was one of the youngest people in her class. And she had a little friend with her. And that little friend and all their friends were riding the go-karts. Had to be 12 years old. And I knew Elizabeth was 11. And I asked that little girl with her how old she was. And she said she was 11. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to let them do it. Because I want to teach them to do the wrong thing. Because if they cheat on this, they might cheat on something else down the road. And I don't want to teach them that. I, I have a responsibility as a dad, even though they're not going to get to ride the go-karts, I have a responsibility to teach them the right thing. And so that's what I said. It wasn't real popular, but I don't regret it because I did the right thing. I taught them the right thing. The last thing is envy. Envy. Okay, what I want to do, I want to catch up with my brother or my brother-in-law. I want to beat them out. I want to be number one. I want, I want them looking at me and thinking, boy, they're doing a great job, and look how blessed they are, and everything's going good. And envy is trying to catch up with somebody who doesn't even know we're trying to catch up with them. That's how crazy that is. And nobody cares. So Paul talks to us, and this is what he says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying if you pick the flesh over the spirit, then you're picking the wrong thing because the flesh, that comes and goes, but the spirit lives on forever. And he's saying, listen, be careful. Make the right choice because there's emotion involved and you could go in the wrong direction. If you are a person who's trying to make a decision. And you know this decision might, might benefit you initially, but it'll hurt somebody else long term. And, you, you know, and you, you're, the Spirit speaking to you and your conscience is saying to you, don't do it, don't do it. Then thank God that you hear it. But if you're a person who never hears that voice speaking to you, telling you don't do it, that's when you need to worry. 
You need to pay attention. You need to repent and begin living in a different direction. Because what we're looking for is satisfying over appealing. Now, here's where the scripture goes on to say, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. If you want to say yes to God, then you say yes to the fruit of the spirit. You want to live by the fruit of the spirit. Do you have the fruit in your life? Is there evidence? When people look at you, do they see that in your life? Against such things, there is no law. What he's saying is don't get caught up in all trying to follow all the law. Just follow the one command of Jesus. And, you know, you'll begin to live in that way. You'll live in a way that embraces other people first. So let me illustrate this for you, okay? This is because you can't have too much of that, okay? The fruit of the Spirit. So this is, this is something you'll never hear, okay? Hey, you've got too much peace. You've just got to tone that down a little bit. I don't know what you're thinking, but you know, you know, you got to live a little, just too peaceful. Well, here's one. You have got to quit being so patient. The problem with my wife is that she is ridiculously patient. She needs counseling. Y'all got to pray for her. She's patient. Hey, kids, I want you to quit being so kind. Don't be so kind. You've overdone it on kindness. You're just too good. Get over it, okay? You know the problem with my husband? He's faithful. He goes out of town all the time. I never worry because he is so faithful. You need to pray for us. I just can't believe he's so faithful. You see, it's an invitation that says you cannot overdo the things of God. You can't have too much self-control. You're never going to err there. Just keep pouring it on. And why wouldn't everybody want to be a Christian? The best way to predict where you're going to end up is where you're headed right now, unless you change. So let me ask you some questions. Have you become enamored by something on your path that you failed to recognize where it was taking you, and now you're going in the wrong direction? Have you lowered your defenses and you're vulnerable, but you've raised your defensiveness and you're not listening to the people who love you? Are you willing to change paths or are you too stubborn to learn from what you see? Are you willing to begin living in a different direction? Because the principle of the path is that direction, not intention, determines destination. It's not what you intend to do, but it's rather the direction you take that gets you to the right destination. So the choice is yours. And here's what God, your Father, is saying to you. I hope that you will choose satisfying over appealing. I hope that you will begin to listen to that internal nudge, that still small voice, even when it looks appealing, but you know you shouldn't. I hope you'll listen and follow. Your Heavenly Father also says, I want you to embrace what it means to follow Jesus and not the world. Let's pray together. Lord, it's a good word. It's a hard word, but it's for our benefit. And so I pray that we would take it to heart. I pray that we would listen because you put it in there for us. 
You know what it's like. You understand. You sent your son. He lived on this earth. He knows what it's like to live here. He knows what it's like and what we experience. He understands our failures. And even though he's perfect, he wants to help us to go on to perfection, too, when we go to heaven. So, Lord, we just know we can't do it without you. We can't make it without you. We can't go and do and be all that you want us to be unless we surrender to you. And, Lord, when we fail, help us not to give up, but help us to realize that you will forgive us and be honest and confess and receive your forgiveness and start over. And we will celebrate that, Lord, not just for our benefit, but for those others around us that we can encourage and uplift and strengthen and bless and help them see victory too. We celebrate that, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said.